0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Today, we're so blessed that you are joining us for part three and the conclusion. Of a great three part interview We've just been having a great time With Pastor Scott LaPierre The Senior Pastor of Woodland Christian Church In Woodland, Washington He's the author of a great book Titled Your Marriage, God's Way A Biblical Guide to a Christ Centered Relationship And we've been doing a deep dive into this Well you've been blessed by it If you've been staying up with us uh, I can tell you this right now If you've missed any of the preceding two episodes You need to go back and catch up Because we just don't have time to cover it all again but today is something so he's going to be sharing with us some uh, basically biblical marriage secrets. Amen. And right now, let's jump back into the conclusion of this interview, Master Scott Lapierre. You know, as we're talking about love, something you always hear, mainly young people today, but it could be older people as well, where I'm in love. You know, you, you dedicate an entire chapter in your book to talking about what is love. Okay. So just you, you, you hit on the agape part and the, the philo part, but just talk a little bit more about, you know, what we call puppy love and things like that. Mm-hmm.
2: It's, it's more of, of an infatuation. I have this friend yeah. of mine and he, I'm I'm not exaggerating. He had bounced from relationship to relationship until he's in his late thirties because, and he's a, he's a neat guy. I mean, he, he's a close friend of mine and he, and he's been a Christian for, you know, most of his life because he found the infatuation always disappearing after a few weeks or months. And he thought that was love. And so he would contact me and he'd tell me about some girl that he's super excited about. And, you know, this, this is the, this is the one for me. I finally met the girl and I'm, and, and it got to the point where I would just say, Hey, brother, just get you know, give this a few months. I I know what's going to happen. You're gonna lose the infatuation, you're gonna be on to the next girl. And sure enough, that's that's what would happen. And so <clears throat> that's what that's what people are feeling. That's not that's not love. Love is a choice. Um, so it's it's really not biblical to say I I have fallen out of love or I no longer love my spouse. If you say I no longer love my spouse and you mean it biblically, what you really mean is I have chosen to no longer love my spouse because we can choose. To love our spouse, and even in Ephesians five twenty-five, to go back to that, if after it commands husbands to love their wives, since that's the primary command for husbands, it begs the question: Why are there any verses that follow it? Why doesn't it just give the command and then stop? Well, it goes on. There, the other verses describe what it looks like to obey verse twenty-five. So it says, you know, sanctify and cleanse with the washing of water by the word, and so the idea is a husband loves his wife not by the way he feels toward her, but by his actions toward her. And in this case, sanctifying and cleansing her with the washing of water by the word so that he gets, because the passage is about Christ's relationship to the church, but it's important to remember it's the primary marriage passage because Christ's relationship to the church is serving as the example for husbands' relationships with their wives. And so what Christ does for the church is what husbands are expected to do for their wives. And so the way that Christ sanctifies and cleanses the church is the way that husbands are to sanctify and cleanse their wives, which kind of goes back to something I said earlier and and why I have tried to stress so much in my ministry, the importance of families or men reading the word with their, with their wives, Mm -hmm. because that's the primary command to see you say, well, what does it look like for a husband to love his wife? Well, what it looks like is to do those things that are in Ephesians 5, 26, through the rest of the chapter down to 30, verse 32 or 33.
1: Mm-hmm. amen so, amen praise the lord we're here talking with pastor scott lapierre author of the great book your marriage god's way a biblical guide to a christ-centered relationship in your book you also address let's say controversial topic at least until you explain it and actually two of them so i'm just gonna you know, ripple off two rounds and fire them down range and provide covering <laughs> fire for you as, as you back up but uh, a woman's greater beauty
2: and then right mm-hmm. after
1: that the bible's perfect wife.
2: Uh-huh. Okay. So I, I kind of talked earlier about eros. You're on point. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, you, you watch me, Bob, you watch me and, and, uh, let me know if, <laughs> if you need to take over point for me. Um, so when we talked earlier about eros and how eros can come and go, it can disappear because it can, it's attraction, physical attraction. And someone said to me one time, he said, Hey, you need to remember two things when you get married. Uh, that there's that there's um, time and gravity, and his point was that time <laughs> and gravity affects affects all of us, and my wife isn't going to look the same, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the road. But that's the beauty in First Peter three that a woman's beauty can actually grow while she's getting older. So even as the outward is perishing, the she can become more inwardly beautiful if we understand that a, a woman's true beauty is found inwardly, which is the main point. I mean, this isn't my opinion. You can go and read First Peter 3, which is where Peter talks about the inward beauty of a woman and how that's an even greater beauty than the outward beauty, which perishes or diminishes with time. So, even though a woman can get older and, and her outward beauty can diminish, her inward beauty can increase and grow. And this is why Let's just say Hollywood, but it, it can really happen anywhere where you have these individuals who are gorgeous. I mean, just incredibly attractive individuals who divorce, who stay married, you know, or even if they don't get married, they might not get married and they have multiple relationships. Well, why is that? It's clearly because physical attraction is not enough. There's something else that's lacking in these relationships. And what is it? It's the inward beauty that would draw that. That person to draw these people together. The outward beauty hasn't changed. They, these are gorgeous people that move into another relationship with another gorgeous person, and so, mm-hmm. but the in, the inward beauty of people focus on that, which it says is very precious in the sight of God, can increase can increase with age, and so that's you know in Proverbs it talks about um, you know a woman who lacks discretion, and if she's if she's outwardly You know, beautiful, or he they compare it to putting you know a a ring in a pig's nose. Basically, Mm -hmm. it's it's just doesn't it doesn't really change what the actual beauty of the of the person. Mm -hmm. And you've seen that, you know, you'll see a woman, and she will you can see her. uh, There's just a couple women. I mean, you you see them and they're attractive, and then as you get to know them, their personality makes them so unattractive. They're loud, they're obnoxious, they're controlling. They they disrespect their husband. Um, and so suddenly it's like you are almost repulsed by what was initially a beauty that you could you know appreciate not not lust over not you know assuming the woman's dressed modestly and you don't have to rip your eyes away but a, a modestly dressed woman who's very beautiful you could appreciate god's creation but then if, as soon as her mouth opens you're like repulsed by just the, the behavior, you know, and it's, and so definitely some women I've looked at and thought, boy, i I would not want to be her husband and have to try, try to love her. Yeah. Now, the other, the other question, what, what was the second one?
1: Uh, the oh, was, the perfect no, wife. Perfect okay. wife. Yeah. Yeah,
2: okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, this no, is the is... Bible doesn't
1: talk about <clears> the <throat> perfect husband, just the perfect.
2: <laughs> it do, well, it sort of does in a sense. It, Christ is um, there is the husband for hu- There is the husband for husbands and that's Christ himself. So, yeah. but I, I know what you mean regarding an earthly individual. Well, interestingly, there's an old Testament woman who's plucked up out of the old Testament and put down in the new Testament for wives as an example. And that is Sarah. That's Abraham's wife. Now what's interesting is there's only one woman And all of scripture said to love her husband. That's it. It's not to say other women didn't love their husbands, but there's only one woman in all of scripture said to love her husband. And that is Michael, Saul's daughter, uh, David's wife. And well, why was she not? Why is she not presented as the example for husbands? Well, there's two reasons, or the example for wives, there's two reasons. One is she put on one of the most incredibly disrespectful displays toward a husband in all of scripture. When David brought the Ark into Jerusalem, he was dancing. She despises him in her heart. He comes home. He can't even make it through the door before she just launches out there and starts berating him and criticizing him. And, uh, and then it says that Michael had no children. Till the day she died, I don't think that that means that God made her barren. Because when women were barren, it says that they were barren. I think David no longer had relations with relationships with her, and I'm I'm not defending David. This is a very low point for him as well. But could David did, did David have other wives he could have relationships with? He did, and he just he was just done with Michael after that, and it shows how a wife's disrespect can change her husband's feelings um, toward her. And I've I've shared that in counseling before. Well, again, I'm not I'm not defending David. He he should have continued to love his wife, but uh, again, a low point for him. Well, anyway, so who is the woman who's plucked up as an example? It's Sarah. Well, why was she chosen? Because, and we're told in First Peter three, because of her submission to her husband. She respected him. She she um, submitted to him. And then it says, whose daughters you will be if you also submit submit to your husband. Well, a wife will listen to this and she'll say, well, you know, I would have no problem submitting to my husband if I was married to Abraham, or I'd have no <laughs> trouble, you know, submitting my husband if he was the father of faith. But here's the thing, Bob, I'm convinced that Sarah's chosen that as an example because of how difficult it was for her to submit to Abraham. She had an incredibly difficult position being married to this man who had a a very challenging call on his life. They had to live this very nomadic lifestyle, constantly moving around. But not only that, Abraham at times looked very faithless or fearful. Mm -hmm. He told Sarah, I'm afraid for my life. You go ahead and tell them that you're my sister so that I will be safe. And he did that twice. (laughs) And she ends up getting...
1: And then if you go back to your definition of submission, I'm sure she did not agree with that decision, but she submitted to it.
2: And this is, this is where it gets really interesting because sometimes women wonder the extent to which they should submit. And I think you can read it a thousand times, but it seems like she was even being expected to submit. And I'm not saying this is, should be the case for every single woman. I'm not inviting a woman to put herself in harm's way. Right. And I'm not inviting a woman to lie but she submitted when he was asking her to tell a half truth because she was his half sister mm-hmm. so but he did say say you're my sister when actually she was his his wife and then god protected her yeah. vindicated her and rebuked her husband and so that's a twice that is a premier demonstration of the blessing that can accompany a wife's submission Amen. to her husband when the husband is making the wrong decision or doing something yeah. um, foolish. Now, I'm not, again, I'm not saying a wife should sin. In fact, you, you know, in my book, I've got qualifications on submission. A wife is not going to submit to abuse. She doesn't, yeah. you know, if right. the wife, if the husband says, I, I want you to do this and it, and it puts her in harm's way or or hurts her or the children, you know, wife isn't expected to submit to that. Um, but, and I, we have, we've talked a lot about the wives and I do just want to say something real briefly. We've, Because we've talked about submission and submission gets criticized you know, regularly by the world and even in some churches. But Bob, just to tell you, of all the marriage conferences that I've done, uh, of all the women that I've talked to, the common complaint that I hear is not, my husband wants me to submit, it is, my husband will not lead. So you would Mm -hmm. think that because submission is frowned on in the world, that women would just be lined up in my office to come in and complain about what God's word says, or come in and complain that their husband wants them to submit. I don't hear women saying that. I hear women saying, I want to look up to my husband, but he will not be a spiritual leader. I want him to make decisions for our family. I want him to be the head of our household. That's the common complaint that I hear from women. God has, he's created women with a desire to look up to their husband. And women crave, many a, godly women crave more than anything to have a man who will pray and read the Bible with her.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Question I got for you. How can a marriage that let's say started apart from Christ, neither one of them were born again. So, you know, you can't say that marriage was built on the foundation of Christ. So it's got a shaky foundation of a, a weak or even almost non-existent relationship with Christ, how can a couple strengthen that foundation once they're born again? And you know, even though they started separate from Christ, but now you know both have gotten born again. And and then those thoughts are there, like maybe we shouldn't have gotten married type thing. So Mm. how how do you approach that?
2: So sometimes people wonder kind of, is there just one right person for me or who who's my you know who is the perfect person for me? And this is what I would say when you got married and you said i do whether that person was or wasn't the right person or perfect person that person became the right person and the perfect person for you the moment you got married so when, right. once you're married there's no longer any question about whether you should or shouldn't have married this person it, it's a done deal and now you're committed you have entered a covenant before god to spend your life with this person through good or bad sick and sick you know and health sickness and health thick or thin you name it you're you're to be committed to this person so even if the day after your wedding, you realize I shouldn't have married this person. You need to fight against that, or have an argument with yourself and say, "No, I I entered this covenant, and I will stay faithful to this person and strive to be what God wants me to be to him or to her." Now, without understanding. Because it, it can just plague people if they spend their marriages wondering if they should have married that person. Oh, and yeah.
1: Yeah. and
2: because we all have we have problems, we have conflicts and arguments and, and if you allow that to creep into your mind, that's what allows people to think, well, I should have married someone else and they can justify divorce and any mm-hmm. any number of, of uh, sinful things. And so um, when two people get married, the beautiful thing and i know i know it's it's overused but i do think it's it's very applicable that triangle analogy that is two people you know the husband and wife at the bottom of the triangle christ at the top and as that husband and wife grow toward christ they grow toward each other it's an impossibility it is an impossibility for a husband and wife to grow closer to christ and not grow closer to each other the husband and wife who are pursuing christ are going to be strengthening their relationship not just with him but with each other
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. And, and, you know, the other situation is where one spouse is born again and the other one's not. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I mean, how does that impact the marriage and how can a faith-filled spouse try to carry the spiritual load to help the other one come around to that position?
2: Mm -hmm. Let, Let me use the easier example first, where there's a believing wife and an unbelieving husband. And I was asking my wife the other day, I said, does it seem like every single marriage conference, we get the same question, what does a believing wife do if she has an unbelieving husband? And Bob, it's a really interesting question to receive because most questions that I get as a pastor are not black and white, easy ones to answer. But this is actually a very easy question to find the answer to. It's not the easiest to obey or follow, but in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 it says that if your husband isn't does not obey the word or is an unbeliever, the wife is to strive to win him over with her Christ-like or chaste conduct, and it even says without words. So, a wife is going to try to win her husband to Christ, not by her words, because then there could be a potential for nagging, but by her behavior as that husband sees Christ through her, and in particular, her submission to him and her respect toward him because any husband is going to be convicted when he is being a lame spiritual leader, but he's married to this godly woman. Any hu- He might try to act like he's not convicted. He might try to hide it, but any husband is going to be just crushed under the guilt of being married to such a wonderful woman who loves Christ while he is being you know, uh, apathetic or indifferent, indifferent toward Christ.
1: Amen. Now,
2: so we, we, just, it's just spelled out for us there. You know, you can go and read it and it tells you first Peter chapter three verses one and two, how an unbelieving husband, unbelieving, um, or how a believing wife is to try to win over her unbelieving husband. Now, the other situation, and, uh, before I answered, I'll just say this: something I've noticed, and I, I can't say for sure why this is the case, but generally between a husband and wife, women seem to be more spiritual. It just seems like they have a greater sensitivity towards spiritual matters. My suspicion is perhaps because God wanted this sort of scenario that when a husband did become a spiritual man, he would have a woman who's very quickly ready to follow and be enthusiastic about that. So I have regularly met um, women who have said, my husband won't pray with me. My husband won't read the Bible with me. I cannot think of a husband I've met who says, "My wife won't pray with me and my wife won't read the Bible with me, and my wife won't go to church with me. Uh, when a husband yeah. when a husband wants to lead, he's going to be able to look to his side and see a wife that's thrilled about his about his um, spiritual passion. Yep. So if a husband is married to an unbelieving wife, his, his responsibility actually isn't that much different than a wife who's married to an unbelieving husband. That husband needs to strive to be Christ to his wife. And allow his wife to see Christ through him and through his actions and behavior. And that means that he's to love her sacrificially. He's to love her and treat her in such a way that when her husband looks at him, she can see Christ. And the, and the neat thing is if you've got, if you've got two unbelievers and the husband becomes a believer, the wife is going to see the changes in him and is going to have to wonder where those changes came from. Yeah. And so when she sees her husband. Act differently, love her differently, be patient when he previously would get angry, ask for forgiveness when he would normally be prideful, um, serve others when he previously wasn't a servant. She's going to have to say, you know, this this did not just happen. There's something supernatural here. My husband's heart has been changed. He is a different man, and that is going to be evidence to her of the the legitimacy of the gospel and the way that it works in people's lives.
1: Amen. Amen. That's good. Yeah. I mean, they're There have been times. My wife was born again four years before I was. She was praying for me every single. It was a losing battle (laughs) on my end. It just, it just took a while. It was inevitable. uh, Yeah, it it just took a while to penetrate that armor, you know. And uh, but when I did get born again, without going into the whole story, when I did get born again, the first person I wanted to tell was my wife.
2: Yeah. You know. And uh, thank her. And that, and that's a nice testimony that she you can you know, praise her faithfulness. And I'm glad your listeners can hear about a wife's prayers for four years for her husband's yep. salvation. I'm sure there were many days when she wondered if he would be saved, oh. but she apparently kept kept praying I mean, and being faithful.
1: When I was in the army, if you'd have looked up the definition of heathen in the Bible, I had my picture next to it. You
2: know?
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, and this is a true, a true statement that I'm about to make, and it's a shameful one, but she would hold a Bible study out in the kitchen and I'd find out about it. So I'd invite my buddies over to have a party out on the deck.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I mean, I was that rebellious against it, you know, mm-hmm. but she maintained. And that one night, January 25th, 1995, in a little empty apartment, Columbus, Georgia. I said, God invaded my life. Mm. Praise that God. And, uh, mm. and that's how I got into ministry. You know, cause I was, I was at rock bottom and I just prayed. On. I said, God, if I'm done with it, if you can fix this situation, you got to do it now. I'll be a preacher for it. I don't care. I'm just done with it. And I mean, the Holy spirit hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, a wash just came over me. And, and for about 20 minutes, I just laughed and cried and sobbed mm-hmm. and praised God and all that. I, I got to tell my wife, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> what just happened. And, uh and then, then that was three years later, I'm, I'm reading Ezekiel chapter two and three, and that was my calling into the ministry, Ezekiel chapter oh. and three. And, uh, and I guess the, all the blood rushed from my head because my wife looked at me and said, what, we're doing our Bible study together out on the porch. And she said, what's the matter? I'm like, nothing. I just read this wrong. And I read the same thing and I said the same exact thing. You know, I'm sending you to the people of your own nation. I'm not sending people to a, a hard language, strange speech, because I say to them, they listen. But I'm sending your own people because they don't want to hear it. Well, that's okay, because I made your head harder than her head. And I was always called a hard head. I mean, it just made sense. you know. <laughs> so that was, you know, but the, and, and I fought it for six months. I Lord, you got the wrong guy. You know I'm wrong. And, and, and he just said, did you lie to me? Lie to you? When would I lie? And he replayed. January twenty fifth, nineteen ninety two, in my mind, I said, like, "I don't care. I'll be a preacher for it. Whatever you want me to, do, I don't care." But I can't do it. He said, "Did you lie to me when you said that?" So, oh no, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. But Pastor Scott, this has been a fascinating talk, and I just, I just love this book. And I'd love to have you come back on again in the future and share about other books that you've written because, okay, thank you, great. Bob. I'd enjoy that. And if someone wanted to get a copy of your book, Your Marriage God's Way, a biblical guide to a Christ centered marriage, how can they do that? Is, is Good. it on Amazon?
2: Yeah, it's on Amazon. They can find it on on most sites, Christianbook.com or Barnes and Noble. Um, but yeah, I'd point them, you know, to Amazon. Most people are familiar with that. I might already have an account there, yeah. and you can find find all my books there. Um, and then if people want to learn more about me or contact me, they can reach out to me through my website. I'm guessing you'll put that in the show notes. That's just yep. my name, Scotlapira.org. Okay. and there's a contact page there. If you you know had questions or I can pray for you in some way, just just shoot me a message there. And then my my website scotlapierre.org also was kind of the hub that would get you to my all the YouTube channel, all my books, yep. my my speaking engagements and so forth so you you Amen. could um, check and then there's a gift I just it's free there's a short read that I wrote It's called 7 biblical insights for healthy, joyful, Christ-centered marriages, and uh, yeah, it's not you know it's not a two hundred fifty-page book. It's a short read with seven insights. I hope it can be a blessing to you, strengthen your marriage and and your relationship with Christ. And that's just my gift gift to your listener, so I, they can get that from my site easily too. Amen. That's on so. the web.
1: Link there's on the website.
2: Yes, sir. Amen.
1: Amen. And you also have a workbook that goes along with your book, right?
2: Yeah, that goes of the workbook. I hope I hope that husbands and wives could do that together and then apply the content in the book um, as they share their answers from the workbook. Yep. Right.
1: So they can obtain both at the same time when they order on Amazon or, or whatever book retailer they use. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. I'll put all the links down below in the show notes. Thank you, folks. Babe. Pastor Scott LaPierre has poured his heart out and the love of Christ into this book in order to bless you and your marriage and what he's written. It's nothing new. It's been discussed in the Bible for thousands of years. But his insight into this, his studies, his time in the Word, has provided a unique and and a compelling and very clear understanding of biblical marriage that most people haven't heard about. And I highly encourage you to obtain this book, Your Marriage, God's Way, A Biblical Guide to Christ-Centered Marriage, and the workbook that goes with it working together, husband and wife, strengthen that bond. Praise God. Even if you've been married for years or you're just contemplating marriage, this book and workbook will make your marriage better. It'll make it safer, more secure from the wiles of the devil, and, and you and your family be blessed. Just drop down to the show notes and order your copies there. And if you're doing marriage counseling... Hey, I'd highly recommend this book and this workbook be part of your pre-marriage counseling or even Mm. marriage counseling and trying to repair a broken marriage. I mean, Mm. that's how powerful this book is, folks. Amen. Pastor Scott, I want to thank you again for, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and visit with us today. I do appreciate it.
2: Hey, thank you, Bob. I'm, I appreciate what you're doing for for Christ's kingdom. And it was a privilege just to come on and have a small part in that. So thank you. And God bless you and your listeners.
1: Amen. Folks, that is all the time we have for today. For Pastor Scott Lapierre and myself, this is Pastor Bob Romani. Be blessed in all that you do.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast so you can be notified when another episode is published.